Welcome to the Today's Leader Podcast, where leadership is influence and influence is today's leader. With your host, Jay Goff. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Today's Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Goff, and I've got an exciting interview for you today. My good friend, Dennis LaRue, Jr. Dennis is retired from the Air Force with 20 years of active duty military service, and he's also an executive director with the John Maxwell team. Also, Dennis has his own executive leadership development business as well as an executive coach and trainer and a speaker. He's out there changing lives and helping leaders become better leaders where they are. And Dennis has got an amazing story that I'm telling you what, it's going to excite you and it's going to make you really reach heights of of just excitement. Dennis is not a pilot. Although he served in the Air Force, he was not a pilot, but he did get to fly. (laughs) Oh my goodness. He got to fly an F-16 Fighting Falcon. That's a combat jet, guys. An F-16 Fighting Falcon, also known as the Viper, okay? You're going to enjoy this. I can't wait for you to get started. So you tell you what, I'm going to shut up and let's get to Dennis LaRue Jr. Okay, folks, welcome again to another episode of Today's Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Jay. And today I have a very special friend, someone that I've connected with, something, someone that we have a lot of actually in common. And, uh, and, and I'm going to let Dennis share a lot of that with you. But my dear friend, Dennis LaRue Jr. is on the line with me right now. And uh, hey, Dennis, how you doing? Man, Jay, I'm fantastic. How are you doing today, buddy? Man, I tell you what, you know, I was excited to have this opportunity to speak with you. I've seen you speak. I follow you on social media. I know your heart, your passion, add value to others and to help others become better leaders. And that's what today's leader podcast is about is how do we transform and influence today's leader to be the very best they can be going forward. And you, my man, you're definitely that. And, uh, and I appreciate you saying yes to this podcast and uh, helping me on this new journey, this new adventure into the podcast sphere. So thank you so much for being here. Jay, uh, you know, I'm absolutely honored and and humbled that you asked me to do this. I mean, I'm I I follow you. I watch what you do. I, I saw you recently in interview with uh, on uh, Belief Hacker with with our friends Donna and Bill Finley. And yeah, man, that was fantastic. So for you to to reach out and and step out into this new endeavor and then invite me to be a part of it, man, I'm honored. Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, let me tell you, man. You were on, you you were definitely right at the top of my list to to invite, and uh, and we've had conversations before in the past, and we shared our experiences together, and because uh, we talked about what we mutual have a uh, in common is our military background. You know, that's right. That's so, right. Mm-hmm. So so I tell you what, kicking off, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, where you live at, and. Uh, don't give us your address because you might have fans just knock on your door. And I just don't want to bring, I don't want to bring that kind of thunder down on your front door. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, 
But give us some insight. Who is Dennis LaRue? And tell, give us your story, man. And then I'll fill in the blanks with any questions that you may have missed in your introduction. So, so go ahead. Take it away, man. You know, that, that's, a, that's an open question because, you know, I, like Jay said, I was in the military. I served in the Air Force for 23 years. And so I've got three kids, all, all grown and married to my wife, Jamie. And, you know, that's a loaded question when you ask military children or military members where they're from, because we're oh. from all over. And then on, <laughs> I mean, basically home is where you are at that particular duty station. So for me, home right now is San Antonio, Texas. I've lived here now mm. since, uh, gosh, since 2004. So pretty much all of my family claims San Antonio is home. Now I'm a native Pennsylvanian by birth and spent half of my life in uh, Texas and Pennsylvania with my parents growing up. Um, I am now, since I retired from the Air Force in 2015, I am now uh, an executive and life coach, started my own business called LDR. You see, we're military, and military members love their acronyms. Yes, we do. We do. (laughs) And so LDR in every, at least Air Force performance report I've ever seen, stands for leader. Mm Mm-hmm. It also, for me, not only do we love our, our abbreviations and acronyms, but we also make up words based off of those abbreviations, like PCS is a permanent change of station in uh-huh. the military. So LDR for me is leaders develop relationships because the number one relationship leaders develop is with themselves first. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite acronyms in the and abbreviations in the Army was ETS. Um, if you remember that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a time of service. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right, right. 20, 26 years here, you know, and I, and I served in the branches, you know, all three components of the Army. And I always tell everybody, you know, I've served, the, I've served active, I've served reserve, I've served National Guard, and I'm just, I've got my paperwork in to be drafted probably by the Salvation Army. Before you know it, I'll have them all covered. Uh, (laughs) that's perfect yeah yeah okay so so ldr leaders develop relationships and and so the name of your business now the name of your business is it dennis larue llc or or it is ldr ldr is my dba okay okay Okay, so LDLs, you do. And is that how we find you? And I know we're going to ask that again in the, in the end of this, but if they were to check you out on a website or something like that, what would that website be? Uh, website is Dennis LaRue, D E N N I S L A R U E dot org, O R G. Dot org. Okay, okay. So no junior on the end of that, huh? No, no junior on the end of that. It, it comes up pretty, pretty quick. I haven't had any issues with that. Now, if you Google just Dennis Larue, this is pretty funny. Uh, there's actually a lot of Dennis Larues out there, and but the first one that pops up is a is a former National Hockey League referee with the same oh. name. It's it's hard to top him. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm sure you're quite. You know, you could definitely outdo him as far as a lot of areas. You know, and and I've listened to you on some podcasts recently uh, with some other individuals in. And you talked about your military experience and you talked about something that I didn't know. I don't think I ever knew this, even in our former conversation. But tell us about the F-16 experience. Oh, my. What a no. great experience. Now, for those, for those of you listening, there's two different aspects in the military. There's the officer field and the enlisted field. Mm-hmm. And I actually was in the enlisted field. So in the Air Force, generally, the officers do all the flying. 
So when, when I share with you Air Force and that I flew in a jet, for some people, they'll say, well, Air Force people fly jets, like my mom. When I flew in an F-16, got to love mom. Yeah. Mom, mom told all of her friends that I was an F-16 pilot for a very long time. Uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Isn't that what moms do? That's what mommies do, yep. So, but the experience was this. So um, in order to fly an F-16, or where I was stationed, I was stationed at a, at a base in Georgia that had F-16s. And they didn't just give anybody a ride in, in a jet. You, you had to win awards or, um, you know, sometimes if you were a crew chief working on the jet, sometimes the pilots would, would give you a ride. But I, I happened to have competed for an award uh, called Airman of the Quarter. So every quarter, right. every airman on base was vetted into from their different units and then each airman from the unit competed with every other airman of the quarter for their unit until there was one left at the end of the quarter for um at, at base level and so i i won that award and for my prize i got to pick a ride in either an f-16 a c-130 unfortunately the a-10s were not two-seaters i really wanted to fly in an a-10 oh yeah oh, oh my, my gosh oh, the way they maneuver oh my gosh i've seen those tank killers man they are awesome oh that that's what i really wanted to ride but they didn't have two-seaters so i mean you tell me c-130 a little you know a cargo plane uh, or an f-16 that pulls 10 <laughs> g's which one are you choosing yeah let me get back with you on that one <laughs> <laughs> that's an easy you know that's a no-brainer oh my goodness that's a no-brainer yeah so i took the f-16 and uh, you know and so i'm put on a list well i find out that i've got an assignment to england coming up and i'm leaving and so my commander puts in a call and they said hey um we'll get you in in two weeks well, i'm 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 stoked normally you're waiting months for this ride in two weeks i'm a ride in an f-16 but here in the process of an F-16, what was so amazing about this was I had to go through training just like any other pilot as far as flying the jet goes. I mean, I sat in on briefings. They, they brought me in and taught me how to put on the gear. They taught me how to, you know, how to simulate uh, the putting on a parachute and then putting me in the parachute and teaching me how to to maneuver it just in case the, the jet had to go down where the, yeah. the rip cord, I mean, I had to go through all of that training in the, uh, the course of the two weeks to fly for an hour and a half in this jet. And I wasn't wow. just going on a normal, um, I wasn't just going on a joy ride. I mean, there's, they've got specific uh, fly dates set aside for joy riding for joy rides for people because they had to bump me up so quickly. I actually went on an official sortie mission. So it was a training mission and, you know, we've got a wingman beside us and everything. Wow. So I got to be in the back playing the navigator. So if you, for those of you out there that, you know, we're showing our age a little bit here, Jay, a top gun. Okay. I, I was, I got to, I, I got to be goose. <laughs> All right. I got to be goose. I mean, I, I'm looking around for bogeys and I'm, 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 I, they taught me how to read the scope. So I could actually be a part of the mission and point out where our target was so that the pilot could then simulate taking down the target. I mean, it was just an incredible experience. I mean, I felt like I was a part of that team and a part of the pilots in that moment. And there, and there was no difference. And it was just 
it was an incredible experience. But what I learned from that particular experience, especially was, you know, going into the, this whole training, I go in and sit on these mission briefings and I might as well have been sitting in a foreign country, listening to a foreign language for the first time. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what they were talking about. I mean, you know coordinates and here's the mission and here's where we're going here's the here's the book and the plan and all of those things and i'm sitting there thinking man i i just kind of i'm it was great to be in the room but i didn't understand a word that they were saying right right yeah and, and my pilot helped me out with that i mean the the, the actual pilot um if, if i remember correctly I think he was Wolfman. I actually, I actually, no, he was Wolf. He was Wolf. Wolf. He was Wolf. That was his, that was his uh, code name, Wolf. So Wolf, um, you know, took me through and said, Hey, don't worry about it. We've got this, you know, I'll I'll take you through, let you know what we need to do. And we go through the process. We go into the, the, the room, we put on all of our flight gear and the suits and, and the, the, the survival folks are helping us put all of our equipment on and then I've got the helmet on and we're being driven out to the jet. And there I am. I am climbing into an F-16. I've got pictures. They sent me, I got, they allowed me to take pictures on flight line, which is normally a no, no, but they, they mm-hmm. said, you know what? You're in the jet. We're going to get a picture of you in the jet. We're going to get a picture of you climbing up in it. And I've got a certificate signed saying that I've flown in an F-16. Uh, <laughs> cool. So I've got all of that stuff. I mean, that's just great stuff. So I'm now in the jet and it's time for takeoff and, and down the runway we go and boom, we're, we're off, we're in the air and we are just, we're just cruising. I do remember this. I didn't share this in another story, but I do remember this. When we hit 88 miles per hour, I just thought for a, a moment back to the future was going to happen. I was going to see sparks and then I was going to end up in some <laughs> foreign place like back to the future. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> hey, hey, Marty. <laughs> yeah right it, because where i was at in georgia where we were flying that day we were wow. flying over the oki finoki swamp so f- think about it if you're you're flying in a jet and your jet's got to go down and it's got to go down an oki finoki swamp i mean i'm thinking yeah. gators i'm thinking rattlesnakes mosquitoes water slosh i mean that, that's part of the reason for it, the training that we go through even even the pilots go through this training and reminders every single time. It, it's constant. And you remember this being in the military, annual training that we had to go through. Where oh, got, yeah, AT, yep. Yeah, and every year, a lot of times, it was the same video or same curriculum, and you had it memorized after a few years. You could almost mm-hmm. teach it yourself. And isn't that the point? It really is, you know, re- repetition. The repetition, it builds the habits, and, and that's so true. And you talk about Georgia. You know, I uh, was in Fort Stewart, Georgia, so I'm very familiar with the Okefenokee. And uh, I flew uh, – oh, I didn't fly. I, I was a, a passenger, of course, uh, in many Blackhawks. You know, I was in the Blackhawks. I was in the UH-1s and the Kiowas and the Chinook. Now, that's an, a, an, an experience in a Chinook with the double rotors on top. Uh, you don't want to be in a long haul in one of those, I'll just tell you that. But uh, but yeah, flying over, though, you see those swamps and and you could imagine what you would have to do. But, you know, what a phenomenon. You painted an amazing picture that I'll be quite honest. I was envisioning this and I'm a visual learner anyway. And, I'm, and I and I see things in pictures. So, in fact, I see things in movies, actually. 
And as you were sharing that, I don't know about everybody else on here, and I'm sure many others that are listening, you know, you felt what Dennis was expressing. You didn't just hear what he said, but you felt it. You felt that energy. You felt the anxiety. You felt the excitement. And, and you know, hey, you know, you literally, and no pun intended, you literally, literally took a crash course, you know, in, <laughs> in doing this. And, uh, and I just couldn't wait to plug that one in there when I, I saw, oh, he took a crash course. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, yeah, I'm going to say it anyway. But you literally did take a crash course and because to learn that, you've really got to go through months of intense training to do what you had to do, learn in just a few short hours. Exactly. And, you yeah. know, wow. And the, the excitement, you know, think about the, the roller co- first roller coaster you've ever been on and then multiply that by like a thousand. And that's what I felt <laughs> yeah. going up in the air in this aircraft. And and the ride got better. So at, after after we go through and, uh, you know, we're, we're identifying targets and we're taking them out, we get to the last one. And I remember Wolf saying, all right, mission accomplished. And I remember these two words. He said, let's play. And the next thing I, <laughs> the next thing I know, we're dogfighting with our wingman. And I, I wish I could tell you I saw everything. I mean, I have a whole new respect for Goose because, I mean, all I saw was my head was bobbing up and down. I mean, it was just I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see anything. We were rolling, flipping, and you know, pulling G's. We pulled eight and a half G's at one point while we were dogfighting. And you know the, those, you know those flight simulator games when you hear the oh, pilot, yeah. pilots going, "Ugh!" That's exactly what it sounds like when you're pulling yeah. eight and a half G's. I mean, you're just you feel the 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 tension and the pressure on you, and you're tightening every muscle in your body to counterbalance that pressure, and it's yeah. just just incredible so we dog fought for a little while we finally got done dog fighting and we leveled out and i heard these words i heard these words words i'll never forget also he goes he goes hey larue you want to take the stick <laughs> oh yes and i said oh my yes and he so he told me he said here it is i mean here's what you do if you want to go up move it up if you want to go down a little bit point the nose down left and right. So here we go. I got the, he said, okay, I'm sitting up here in front of you just in case if anything happens, I can take the stick right back from him, but all right, sticks yours. So here we go. I'm going up and I'm going down and I'm going right. And then I go left and I'm kind of moving around up and down and, and I've got the stick. Mm-hmm. I am pushing the jet forward. I am controlling the movement of the jet. And it reminds me, you know, we're, we're John Maxwell team members. And it just reminds uh-huh. me of that lesson John teaches in the 21 laws on the law of navigation, where he says anyone can steer the ship, but it takes a navigator, a leader to start the, to chart the course. Well, that's exactly what happened. I mean, here I am. I am not a pilot. I'm an enlisted guy at that time working in a warehouse. I'm a supply guy. I'm basically a UPS guy in fatigues. <laughs> yeah i deliver parts for this aircraft when it breaks down and now i've got the stick and i am flying the jet i couldn't tell you where we were i didn't know the coordinates i didn't know if i was north south east or west i had no idea what where the ocean was i didn't know where the i knew the swamp was below us somewhere I didn't know where the base was i knew nothing i didn't mm-hmm. know where we were going or how we were getting it. all i knew was i got the stick 
and I'm continuing the momentum of it going either left, right, up or down. And it was an incredible experience and an incredible moment. And when I turned the stick back over, you said, all right, we've got it. We've our missions, missions done. All right, we've got to take it back home. So uh, Wolf took the stick and took us back home. And I remember just being tense and, and, you know, people ask you, did you throw up? Did you get sick? You know, I didn't feel sick at all until one moment. And it was the moment where I could see the runway coming and we were getting close to base. And I started to relax in that moment. And that's when I started feeling sick. And it reminded me of, you know what? You can't relax. I mean, you can relax, but when you're, you relax after the mission is done. You don't wait until you see the finish line and then pull up and relax. Right. But you, you wait until you've completed the mission, you've crossed the finish line, then you can relax and celebrate. But you don't celebrate until the mission's done. And the mission isn't done until you land the plane and, and park it. Right, exactly. And, and so, wow, there's so much in there, man, so much gold. You know, and, and I was thinking, man, if, if I didn't know we was going to have this kind of conversation, I would have taken some Dramamine beforehand. You know, because you're going, and you, as you're explaining, I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get a little airsick just stop hearing all this, right? You know, <laughs> where's my bag? I need my bag. And, you know, <laughs> my little barf bag. And, and I was one of those, you know, I flew a lot, but I was one of those, I would get, I, I would get uh, airsick. Uh, easy. I love to fly. Mm-hmm. I love to go out in the air, but I always knew what was going to happen every time I went. And believe it or not, I actually applied for flight school uh, to fly uh, helicopters. Uh, but unfortunately, that didn't come through. Um, I had everything ready. It was in at Port Rucker, Alabama. Uh, but uh, and, and there was a window where you had to have two years college to become a warrant officer. But there was a window. And I think it's because obviously they were short pilots that you it was optional, but you had to get it once you got your warrant. And I thought, boom, I'm in. I had my flight physical, man. I had my took my fast test, you know, for flight aptitude selection testing. Had my letters of endorsement, even from the pilot who flew Barry McCaffrey, who was the division commander who later went on to become our, our drug czar for the nation. Um, you know, and I met his pilot over beers at a club down in Fort uh, Hinesville, Georgia. I had all that, and my paperwork was there at Fort Rucker, Alabama, when they changed it back over. I'm like, oh, man, I was so close. I probably would have carried a barf bag and endless supply because I love to fly, but man, I couldn't handle it. So, but that was fantastic. Your experience. So that experience of, of going through the top gun experience. And now I want to watch top gun again. You know, uh, one of my favorite movies, I've got the DVD, man. I could easily just pop that in. Just so get into, I don't know how many times I've seen that one already. Uh, and, and, and so, okay. So here's a sideline also. What do you think? Now, for me, sometimes I look at kids, I look at these people playing video games, you know, <laughs> this, this virtual reality game. And, and here you are, guy, you've been up in an F-16, you've had your hand on the joystick, you're doing left, right, up, down, you're left, and, and you see these kids that are doing it. Do you ever just sometimes say, uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's not the experience. No, that's just not it. You're not going to mm-hmm. get it. Um, <laughs> you, know. It, you know, sometimes, and, and I'd like to tell them, hey, the, you know, 
when you when you hear the who when they're making those noises, I, I'll take them through that experience and let them know, hey, the suit that I was wearing, you know what they call that suit? They go, no, I said, it's a poopy suit. And they go, why do they call it that? For that exact reason. When you're pulling that many G's, there, yep. there's the tendency for that to happen. But, you know, you know, those CO2 cartridges you guys use to, to shoot your paintballs? Yeah, that's yeah. what was in my suit to counterbalance those G-forces. They would expand and blow up as we mm. would pull those G's. To, otherwise, I mean, my body, your body falls apart in those moments. And by the way, I had my barf bag ready just in case. Oh, yeah. And I, I would watch these Air Force pilots. No kidding. I remember walking into the, the fighter squadron that day, getting ready for my flight. And two guys that were going up with us, they were wolfing down Whoppers from Burger King and fries oh, no. and, and sodas, getting ready to go up. And I'm thinking after that, afterwards, I only had a piece of toast and a cup of coffee that morning in preparation <laughs> yes. because I didn't want to have a whole lot in my stomach just in case. I mean, I, I can remember, yeah. you know, the pilot saying, hey, do you want to pull 10 G's? And when we got to eight and a half, I realized, OK, I'm getting tunnel vision. I'm starting to black out. I could see it. And and I actually told him, no, I don't want to push it to 10 because I don't want to pass out because some of those pilots, they like to make you pass out. Yeah, and yeah. and I said, no, I, I really want to enjoy this flight. So, I mean, eight and a half, I noticed if we push it a little bit more, I'm probably gone. So let's just let's just keep it here. And, you know, dogfight and do all the other things that we were doing. But, oh, I have such respect for the physical conditioning of fighter oh pilots. I mean, watching these guys just, you know, eating the kind of food they eat. And they're like, you know, they just go up like it's no big deal. And for us, I mean, 100 crunches now, you know, our age these days, you know, you try to bang out 50 to 100 crunches and you might be feeling the same <laughs> You're not making oh it. You know God. what I mean? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at, and that is why that is definitely a young man's game. That is a young man's game. So, Absolutely. yeah, I'm no, I could no longer do that anymore than today. Than, than, I mean, there's just no way. Yeah. So, you know, and, and Dennis, I'll tell you, between you and me, man, we could, and, and anybody listening, of course, obviously you can tell, there's a military connection here. And I know that between Dennis and I, we could probably carry on for like two or three hours just sharing our military experiences and take you through different journeys as a listener that you, if you've never experienced it, I'm going to tell you, one of the greatest adventures of life is truly the time in the military, even in peacetime. It, you don't have to be in a combat zone to experience the amazing adventures that the military uh, offers. And, and I'm not trying to promote the recruit until they become a sponsor, then I probably will. But <laughs> right? <laughs> but... <laughs> But it really, truly is. You know, I did 27. You did 23. I mean, I did 20, 26, 27, 26, I think. I got to go back and look now. Um, 26, yeah. And you did 23, and we've got those years of experience. But, but we've learned, and, and so this leads me into the leadership aspect of it. We've learned how to apply what we learned in that environment to what we're doing now. Now, both of us, like you alluded to earlier, are both members of the John Maxwell team. We, we are mentored, we're coached by John Maxwell himself, the number one leadership guru in the world. We're coached and mentored by those people that he has given the stamp of approval, the seal of approval says, you guys represent me. Now go out, and you know, essentially like, like John is our, John, John had these disciples and says, now go out and let's change the world, right? And now we've got that with Paul Martinelli, Paul Martinelli and Roddy Galbraith and Christian and, and, and so many. 
and and that's just flourishing and growing more. It's compounding, expanding. So we're bringing parlaying, if you will. Now I'm from Texas, and and you live in Texas. I'm a Texan American, and 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 parlaying is not exactly a Texan friendly word. So I had to slow down a little bit. <laughs> parlaying, okay, <laughs> our military experiences in and combining it with our John Maxwell team leadership and personal growth experience, as well as our personal philosophies on leadership and development. So what are some of the things that you are able to bring from your military experience and parlay that with your John Maxwell team experience in the business you have today? Oh, that's a great question. And, and you're right, Jay. I mean, we could talk I mean, we could do probably a one-year podcast of just you and me talking about our military experience. I mean, there's so many things. But to take that leadership, you know, as I, I got my first taste of leadership in my in my military career, as part of that um, part part of that becoming a military professional was understanding leadership. As you rose through the ranks, you you were given leadership titles and roles based on your rank and people were automatically assigned underneath you. It, it wasn't necessarily influence. It was, you got the stripe and then based off of that stripe or based off of those stars, bars, and Eagles, you were, you were placed over people. And so yeah, it I wasn't, can, by, it wasn't by merit, you know, most of it is by, you know, you reach time and grade time and service. You got to get this promotion. So many were leaders, but not by merit It's by was by position placed in that and then learn the position. Exactly. And what I found is the leaders that were the most successful and the leaders that I remembered the most from my military career were the ones who didn't rely on RHIP, where rank has its privileges, mm -hmm. where you followed them because you had to, because they wrote your annual appraisal. They were the ones that gave you the, the promotion statements and those things. I mean, or you, you would get court-martialed or whatever other terms that they would use back then. So the right. leaders that were the most successful were the ones that built a relationship with me, got to know me and asked my thoughts and opinions, invested in me. And when I could tell that they were invested in me, they didn't have to ask me to stay late. They didn't have to ask me to come in on the weekends to do, to, to get prepared for inspections or whatever. It was an automatic. You stayed until you got the job done because it turned it, because they cared about me so much. I didn't want to let them down in any way, shape, or form, and so that translates completely over into into our businesses and into the leadership community. Where if people are are working for you because you will fire them, the minute they leave, the minute they can find something better, they're going to leave. Doesn't matter how mm -hmm. great a person they are as far as work goes, and they might even go somewhere else and work somewhere else for lesser pay just because they don't have to fear you, the boss, every single day. Right. So leadership on the outside and working with people is helping those leaders realize, congratulations, you're a leader. You've been given an organization. You've been given the title. You've been given a seat at the table because of your potential, but it's only a seat at the table. Now you've got to earn the, the right and the privilege and the respect of those people you lead by serving them, by taking care of them, by doing things for them, by investing in them and showing that you care about them more than you care about the bottom line. 
Right on, right on. And that is so true. That is so true. We do see that so much, you know, and, and you being prior military, both of us, we've seen the good and the bad leadership. There's a, there's an idea that if you are a military leader, you are hard nosed, hardcore, and it's a do as I say, or die mentality. Now that's old army. That was the days when now I, I was probably in the military before you had entered into the military. Cause I think I may have two years old, older than you, but I'm not going to tell you what, how many years that is. Uh, <clears throat> but you know, when I went in, there was a thing called wall to wall counseling, right? You're familiar with that wall to wall counseling. And you know, it was behind the, the, the vehicle behind the building. Whatever. There was this wall to wall counseling and it was basically to whip you into shape. If you weren't in the shape, you know, uh, with your attitude, that's what they called the attitude adjustment. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And it, and it worked, it did work. Trust me. Cause I started off as a bad seat and it didn't take long for me to straighten my butt up. Uh, because I was on the receiving end of that one time, but it was because it was trying to shake me up to wake me up to become what fulfill my potential, you know, but in today's world, we see now we're in the military also, especially we're learning more. How do we connect with our people? Just as John speaks about and everyone communicates, but few connect. If we can learn to connect with our people, then the communication aspect will come easier. And you talked about the, you know, how, you know, you were, you know, when they invested, when they invest in you, you're going to work more for them. That's so true. You know, I, I always say that, you know, and I think I may have shared with you and you may have seen it, you know, my acronym for boss, the difference between a boss and a leader, mm. <clears throat> you know, a boss is a bully on supervisory status. And, and we've had these in our organizations. We've got these in our organizations. And I always, when I, when I was speaking to audiences, I would always share with them too. You might be that person. You might be that. And when they understand the difference and they're able to change. So, you know, because bosses intimidate for compliance, whereas leaders influence for commitment. Mm, you were committed to a leader that influenced and inspired you and invested in you. But when we're intimidated, we don't want to work for this guy. We're going to we're going to do status quo. We're going to do the bare minimums. We're going to do just enough and keep him fired. And that's what so many organizations are facing now. And that's why they, you know, they have people like you, Dennis, now that come in. And you help them understand that and change the dynamics of their uh, leadership culture. So, so thank you for that. You're so right. You're so right. And that just kind of sparked energy in me in that because, uh, you know, I'm a big advocate for identifying the difference between the two and helping them get on that path of, of leadership. You know, that, and what's so good about what you said there, Jay, is that those bosses push their people and their people are, you know, they, they show up at eight o'clock, they punch out at, you know, at 459, they, they, they've got the Fred Flintstone yabba dabba do mindset waiting for five o'clock. <laughs> yes. And then yeah. they leave and they do the bare minimum to get the job done. And what that type of boss is doing is actually promoting and compounding a unit that is doing the mission at the bare minimum, bare minimum, which is average. Instead of promoting a, a, an organization of excellence, promoting and, and pushing uh, metrics, p- pushing the envelope and getting the most out of their people to take the organization or the mission to the next level, they're barely getting by and they're promoting and they're breeding an organization of average. And when you continually do that, 
um, guess who's going to get fired? The boss is eventually going to mm -hmm. get fired when an organization is consistently average and, bar and barely or meeting minimum standards. Absolutely. I, you know, aver an average environment just promotes apathy. People just don't care. They don't care. And, and you're so right about that. So, uh, so being today's leader podcast, to, you know, we're going to talk about leadership today, how we lead today as opposed to what we did before, helping leaders understand uh, how to become better leaders in their environment. Um, <clears throat> what, you know, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, let's see, I had some questions here. Um, well, as a leader right now, what was some of that, that helped you become a better leader today that you know is going to add value to someone, uh, influence them? What was one of the best advices, uh, advices, the best advice, what was the best advice that you can recall receiving uh, as a leader to, to influence you to become a better leader? Mm, that, that's a great question. There's a couple that come to mind, but the number one advice that I received that stands out the most was uh, to be ready to preach, pray, or die at a moment's notice. Oh, okay. That was, and the mindset on that was from a pastor when I was stationed in England that gave that to me. He said it's the best advice given to him. But the whole point of that is being in a state of readiness, being in a state mm -hmm. ready in the moment to take advantage of moments as they arise as a leader. Because if you're, if you're not prepared to take advantage of the opportunity when the opportunity comes, you're not going to get that opportunity again. Mm -hmm. So constantly, you know, as a leader saying yes to things people didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. Also, the people that other people didn't want in their organization were the people I wanted in my organization because I knew if I just invested time in them and listened to them, hear what their goals and visions and desires were individually, but also their strengths within my organization, that they would perform for me better than they did in their previous organization. So give me the hard cases, give me opportunities to say yes, and then also the third thing was developing myself. I think this is the one thing that we miss that I see leaders missing. They're service oriented and they're pouring into their people and pouring into their people. But they're not replenishing themselves. Right. They're, they're pouring out so much and pouring in so many hours into their organizations, into their mission, into their people, taking care of them, giving all of them opportunities and resources and time that they're not taking time for themselves to replenish and grow themselves like they used to that got them to the level where they're at. Mm -hmm. Might find themselves play, uh, in a place of, uh, you know, where they've, reach their lid because they've they just haven't filled their cup back full you know we've got to fill ourselves you know and, and that, that is the way it is with servant leaders uh anybody that serves other many times we forget to we gotta we gotta invest in ourselves we gotta grow ourselves and we gotta take time for ourselves and that's why the important word no is important because sometimes we can give 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 until we are depleted and uh and as leaders we need to understand that as well um so, yes. So if the, uh, 
you know, I hate questions. I'll tell you what, I hate, I hate scripted questions. I'm going to let the world know I hate scripted questions. I am an off script kind of guy. So I'm, you know, and you can tell when I'm trying to read from a script and I'm just flying off the, you know, cuff here. Um, but, uh, but one thing I know is that everything we're doing is we're leaving a legacy. And as a leader, you're an influencer. And I always say that leadership is influence, right? Of course, I learned that from John Maxwell, but I understand too that influence is our legacy. And that's what the, you know, basically the subtitle of this podcast is, is, you know, uh, leadership is influence and influence is legacy. So in this day, what does that legacy look like that you're living out today for others to emulate or carry forward? How are you, how are you building your legacy now as a leader? Wow. That's a, that's a great question. And, and that's one that I wrestle with from, from a, you know, from a business perspective and, you know, I, I see families that are, are working together in businesses and mine, my kind is my wife and I, my wife takes care of my admin and the things that I do for my business. But, you know, all of my kids have, you know, this is, this is not their, their gifting. They, they, they're not ones for speaking and coaching and training and, and being out in front. Uh, none of them like that. So from a legacy standpoint for them, it's just how, what I want for them is that they saw their dad living out what he was passionate about and he poured his heart and soul into it. And so whatever it is that they do, whatever they choose to do and where they want to go in life, that they do it with passion, they do it all out and they, they walk away saying, you know what? I don't have any regrets. Did I make mistakes? Absolutely. Did I fail sometimes? Sure I did, but you know what? I went all in and that's what matters. And I'm learning from that. So that that's one part of the legacy. And then from, you know, I always think about, you know, when that day comes and and I'm gone, I, I pass away. What are people going to say about me when I'm gone? What do I want them to say about me? And what I want them to say is that, you know what, Dennis inspired me. He, he didn't just motivate me, but he inspired me. He tapped. He was a voice that tapped into my soul and pulled out from within my soul, the, what's, what was in there that drove me to become the person I am today and that drives me to impact and influence the people around me for the future. So if there was one word that had to be on my tomb so when I die is, it's the word inspire. Hmm. Inspire, that's good. That's good. So, well, I know that you've definitely inspired me and I've seen you uh, inspire so many others. And, you know, when you do your live, uh, when you're out there jogging and running and making me feel guilty for not, uh, you know, you add so much value to everybody that tunes in. Um, so what would be the uh, if you had an audience of up and coming new leaders, you know, new entrepreneurs or leaders, uh, what would be the best advice you would give them today? This is a new person. Maybe they just got a position or they're looking to grow a business or create a business. What would be the best advice from Mr. LaRue that you would give them? Wow. That is a, that, that's a tough question. Um, mm -hmm. The two things stand out. The first thing I would ask them is why? define why they are there. Why mm, you have good. just been promoted. Now, why are you there? Why were you promoted? Why did you seek this promotion? Why are you this new leader? Because the why is going to fuel what they want to achieve while they're there. But the other thing is, 
is you're a young leader. What are you going to do to grow yourself? Because where you are today is not going to get you where you want to be down the road. You've got to be consistently growing yourself. So what does your growth look like right now? What are you doing? And then also get a mentor, get a coach. Who, mm-hmm. Get somebody that's ahead of you in the game, specifically as a mentoring leader, but then have that coach, kind of a, a your inner circle group that you guys can work together. As a matter of fact, if it was a room full of new leaders, I would have each, I would have one of, I would have a person, everybody in that room pair up with somebody else mm-hmm. that they either know or don't know. And then start forming an accountability group with one another each week to grow each other to that next level. Absolutely. I love that. And, and that, and you and I both know this term and I use it a lot, actually, when I bring my military into a battle buddy, you know, find somebody that can, that can, that has your six, that has your flank, that's going to help you stay on the narrow, straight and narrow and, and will help you get to where you want to go. But that does take that. You do that for each other. You know, and uh, and I love I like the idea of if you had a group of them pairing them up with somebody in there that they could grow with. And and I like that. Uh, I've not I've not thought about that before, actually, you know, connect with somebody there and develop that relationship. Um, So that's good. Um, So we're going to wrap up here just a few moments. Um, If you uh, let's see. Always like to find out something. Now we got to find out a lot of great, awesome personal stuff about you, right? You know your journey in the in the F sixteen. That's I think that's probably the highlight, definitely, of this uh, conversation. But uh, but it's all been so great. Uh, what what is there? What is what is there about you? Something about you that? And, and I know this is one of those questions people always ask, but I know people are curious too. It gets to know the personal side of you. What is something about you that most people don't know about or they would be surprised about uh, to say, wow, I never would have thought that, uh, that, you know, for me, it's like certain entertainment things. Some people wouldn't think I do, uh, but uh, and it's all legal and it's totally PG, folks. OK, <laughs> but <laughs> I can promise you that. Uh, but uh, but what is something about you that is a, a, a unique skill, ability or talent or ritual or something that is unique to you? Uh, that uh, most of us, especially on the JMT, may not know? Hmm, that's a great question. And that's what I wrestle with a lot. I mean, um, let's see. I got I, skills. You know, one of the, one of my, uh, well, there's two skills. Uh, back in high school, um, growing up, I wanted to be a television. I wanted to be a television sports broadcaster. Oh, that's what I wanted to be growing up. No kidding. I, this is at the age of 10, nine and 10 years old, I would turn off the sound to the baseball game I was listening to. And then mm-hmm. actually uh. be in, be the announcer and announce the game with the TV turned off in my room. As if I were there at the game announcing it to to an audience, and and it was something I always enjoyed. And um, what happened in high school was, is my coach, my cross country coach, I ran track and cross country, which shouldn't surprise anybody. Um, 
my cross country coach got me a, a gig with the local radio station at my high school. And what they did was in the, in our area and I was covering high school football games. So I was doing stats for the radio station live at our high school football games. And I was in the booth. So I'm in the booth and this was before computers. So folks, now I just shared with you some more about my age because (laughs) my, my stats were by hand, pencil, paper, calculator, ruler to keep my lines straight type of thing. And I got, and I kept track of all the, pretty much all the stats that they keep track of today, the basics. And I would get airtime at halftime and at the end of the game to give those stats. But here's where that transitioned into a gig that probably nobody ever thought of. Um, I ended up being a country music radio DJ as a senior in high school at my local radio station. And I don't really like country music. I had no desire at all to be a DJ. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And so I was a country music DJ for uh, my, my senior year in high school. So it was a great gig and I had a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, that was just one of those one of those special moments. One of those things that, that I did that a lot of people probably don't know other than maybe uh, maybe some of my high school friends. Uh, that know me or family that catches on because they remember those days. But that would be one. And the other is this. Um, I still, to this day, uh, one of my favorite things to do is open a pack of baseball cards or football cards, sports cards, because it takes me back to when I collected them as a kid. And, you know, you get ready to open that pack and you pick just one pack, just one pack. And you don't know who's in it. It could be your favorite team. It could be the, the the big rookie that makes a lot of money. Like in this case, if we're talking football, Patrick, you know, it, it could be like a, a, a Patrick Mahomes card, or it could be um, uh, oh the the uh, Baker Mayfield from Cleveland. It could be one of those. And so you've got this pack of cards thinking, oh my gosh, and the excitement of not knowing what it's inside, and the anticipation of opening it and seeing what's inside. It could be a great pack, or it could be a lousy pack, but you don't know until you open the pack. And I, I love to open a pack of cards just to take me back to those wondrous moments as a kid, uh, working hard to to get that money for cutting that grass so I could go buy cards and and collect them and and just uh, bring back those joyful memories. So I, I still do that from time to time. Awesome. You you answered one of my other questions, actually, which was when you were a child, what did you want to be, uh, you know, as an adult? And you said that, you know, you pretend to be a TV broadcast sports. And that's phenomenal. You know, and it's funny, you know, we talk about things we have in common. I actually was a radio broadcaster for a country music station uh, for not a very long time, but enough to really get a, a good feel for it. And we had it was things on carts. It wasn't digital, so once again, showing yeah, age. Yeah. Uh, but we had carts, and, and our program was all on index cards, color-coded. <laughs> okay. And I remember doing overnights, falling asleep. There was dead airspace and a tap on the window, and it was the sheriff's deputy checking to see what was going on. And I had fallen asleep, and my forehead, because there was this big, big round knob, my forehead had this big circle right on it where my head rested on it. It was, uh, yeah, it was not a precept. There was dead airspace. Yeah, you don't want to do overnights because you get some freaky calls overnights, even on the country western station. Uh, oh but- yeah, that's so good. And I have my own, I have my own program on Saturday mornings. Here it is, high school senior. I got a six-hour gig 
Saturday mornings from 6 a.m. to noon, and I had to actually open up the station and make sure everything was turned on. We were getting the AP feeds coming in, and you mentioned the cassettes, and you know, I had the the schedule up above me, so I could it told me you know what I needed to play, and all. Oh my gosh, I remember. And the, one thing I remember about that gig was it taught me the importance of using and making the most of every single second when you talk about the dead airspace. I mean, you timed uh-huh. ev- you timed everything and everything. Uh, everything. I mean, it was it was incredible. It was an incredible ex- learning experience and, and and going back to to uh being a broadcaster growing up still to this day when I'm sitting on the couch watching a game every now and then, I will start saying things like I'm mm-hmm. one of the announcers and my family's sitting there watching it with me or they're in the room and I'll say something and the announcer will say exactly what I just said. <laughs> yeah. And they just look at me and say, oh, they just smile. They're like, Oh my God. They, the kids are like, dad, what are you doing? And my wife just shakes her head at me because uh-huh. you know, it's just, it, there's a little bit in that. And it's just, it's just a lot of fun. And it's just a way for me to kind of enjoy watching the game, I guess. Is that something you'd like to maybe possibly pursue? Yeah, that's, a, that's a good question. It, it's, it's never really died out. Um, mm-hmm. If the opportunity presented itself, I, I'd do it. I, I, I would have a lot of fun doing something like that. I, I really would. It's just, there's just something there calling the action or the best part for me is bringing up the stats or bringing up events, kind of filling in that space between plays or whatever. I really like doing that piece, adding, adding the color commentary is what I really enjoy, just filling in and adding those type of things. Okay. Okay. That's so cool. Yeah, we sometimes, what we do is we would mute the TV, especially with the kids here, and I'm a big goof with the kids, the grandkids, and start, because uh, I do impressions, I do voices and all that, and I would start uh, ad-libbing what they would be saying, you know, especially on commercial. We would mute for the commercials, and I would just start playing around. We would do that, carry on on dialogue. So it's funny, the things you'll do, to have fun, some of the most silliest things, but life's about that. We should be silly. Absolutely. Um, so, all right, well, well, dude, I tell you what, I appreciate you so much, man, doing this. I have learned so much. I know our community has learned so much and experienced so much and probably is maybe feeling a little nauseous also at the same time, not because of you, but because of the story of flying around in an F-16. <laughs> so, so <laughs> So tell us, how can we get a hold of you? Well, first of all, before that, what are some big projects you've got going on right now you'd like to maybe uh, share with our audience that maybe they can come check out and maybe be a part of what, what you're doing? Yeah, a um, couple of things. I'm, I'm actually going to – normally I do uh, kind of uh, facilitate small groups based off of John's book, The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. That's one of my – that is a book that I bleed. And I've been doing most of those in person here in San Antonio, but I'm actually going to be branching out uh, next uh, next month, putting together a a virtual group on that on that book. So if you want to learn more about that, uh, shoot me an email at info at dennislarue.org. and in the in the um, uh, the header just say uh, just say 15 laws. and I will get back to you on that. Other big things I've got going on uh, as far as um, business, there's going to be opportunities. I'm, I'm focusing on my speaking pri- a lot this year. Primarily, I do coaching, but I'm going to be doing some more speaking this year and traveling. So, if those come out, I'll be I'll be putting a schedule again at uh, dennisleru.org 
for where I'll be speaking. I would love for you to, to be a part of that. And if you want to catch me right now, the quick snippets, Jay, that you mentioned, I'm on Facebook. Just put in Dennis LaRue Jr. A friend requests me, and you can catch me dur during the week when I'm out on my walker runs doing my LaRue on the street. And then on Sunday nights on Facebook, I do a Facebook Live uh, playing into our, our uh, having to wear steel toes during our military days. I call it the mm -hmm. hashtag steel toes required quote of the week. It's just some motivation for you on a Sunday night to kick down the doors of Monday. And instead of hating your Monday, taking it by storm and, and taking your week by storm and conquering the mission and dreams and visions that you have and providing some quotes that have inspired me over the years. And even during the week and just sharing lessons learned that I get from those quotes. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. well, I love your heart, Dennis. I love your your passion to serve and to, you know, both in and out of uniform and uh, making a difference uh, to all people. Uh, you know, I'm, I am truly grateful for the relationship that we have and the, and the mutual respect and, and admiration we have for our, mute, you know, our same mentors. You know, we've kind of been growing it on the same path, just on, you know, different roads a little bit, but, w but with the same people and growing. So I definitely am grateful for our relationship, our friendship, and uh, and I look forward to uh, uh, more uh, learning more from you as well. So thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Thank you so much for adding value to this audience. And uh, and I know we're going to make a difference together, my man. Oh, absolutely, Jay. Thank you so much. It was a privilege and honor to be here. And man, I appreciate you. Love what you're doing, and I love the the things that you're you're doing and adding value to people, pouring into people spiritually. And I love our connection, and I can't wait to see what you do next. And I can't wait to see what we do next to uh, continue influencing and, and changing people's lives. Right on, man. Right on. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And, uh, and we will be connecting again soon. Folks, look for Dennis uh, on, these, uh, on this. If you, got, if you want to know more about Dennis, like he said, you can go to info at, at DennisLaRue.org. If you're interested in the workshop, the virtual, it's, it's uh, put in the uh, subject line, you know, 15 laws, connect with him. And definitely, I'll tell you what, if you haven't, if you haven't connected with Dennis on the Facebook, go there. He's always adding amazing value in the morning, throughout the day and the evenings. And I can promise you it's going to be something that's going to give you some thoughts and, 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 and it's going to give you some ideas of what you need to do to change your life. You know, I always try to get people to ACT it, right? And Dennis, you know this. You know, sure. we heard this from, from John. You know, what can you apply? What are some things I need to change? And how can I teach this to others? And Dennis, you, my man, are giving golden nuggets to everyone that they can definitely take away in all three of those areas, but, you know, that they can apply, they can change, they can teach to others. And that's what it's all about. So find Dennis on uh, Facebook at slash Dennis LaRue Jr. Uh, and that's J-R, not spelled out. And, uh, and, uh, and connect with him there. So I'm sure he'd love to friend request him and I'm sure he'd love to add value to you. So Dennis, once again, thank you, my man. I wish you the best of luck in everything you do. And I can't wait to see you at IMC. Are you going to be in, in Orlando in March? That is my plan. I'm, I am, I am signed up to be there. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing you connecting with you there, my man. So thank you so much again. All right. My pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate you, Jay. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in today. I hope you took copious notes from this episode and thought as a leader, 
How do I apply what I've learned today? How and what do I need to change to be a better influencer? And finally, who and how do I teach this to others? And if you enjoyed today's podcast, I ask that you subscribe on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Share this with your friends on social media and leave us a comment to let us know what you learned, how you're doing on your own leadership journey, and what and who you would like to hear on future episodes. Oh, and don't forget to like us on Facebook at I Am Today's Leader 2.0 and give us a rating on each of your favorite podcast formats so that we can go up in our subscribers and increase our influence and our reach. If you're a leader and would like to get your message to others in the Today's Leader community, then email us at todaysleader.net at gmail.com. Until we meet again, my friends, be blessed and lead well. Oh, thank you.